0: Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. To go from gratitude to forgiveness makes a lot of sense because when we understand that forgiveness is a way of being, it's a mindset to carry through life, it allows everything that we've talked about up to this point um, to, to occur more naturally. So I think that as we go through the law of forgiveness, and I'm gonna go through the law of forgiveness based on uh, Raymond Hollywell's book, Working with the Law, you're going to kind of start to see how this makes sense because it's, it's the releasing of everything that we haven't released that allows flow to actually take place in our life. So let's begin. There are crucial things in life that call for great human qualities. Our present fear is that man will not be big enough to meet the demands of the day. A lack of large character equipment is a real peril at all times. It is here and now that the world needs the help of the Master, such as Christ taught. Christ taught bigness of character to his followers, which such bigness within himself, he was more than just a preacher. He was a teacher supreme. He not only pointed the way, But he went forward and showed the way. In hours of great stress, he showed himself mightier than Pilate, the governor of all of Judas, or Cappheus, the high priest and the head of the church, or any and all of the accusing scribes and Pharisees. It is true that for a moment they had power over his body and tried him and condemned him to be crucified. The maximum sentence that could be given anyone but through it all, his mind and spirit commanded them. Now, again, this is not something that's, that is religious. This is, this is something that is uh, uh, common knowledge, and we're looking for, as we study, we look for different practitioners of the philosophies that we're studying as examples of, of the, uh, the, the way in which we can use this power to make our lives better. They dragged him through the streets, bound as a prisoner. They nailed him to a cross on the hill of Calvary. But he looking down upon them, seeing their smallness of mind, cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. A man who is great enough to forgive is always greater than the forgiven. He is superior. He is greater than his adversary. Peter, the disciple, was greatly perplexed one time while listening to one of the many lessons of the Master. He raised the question, which is the basis for this lesson. Turning to Jesus, he asked, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Until seven times? Now, this was a generous gesture on his part, for the Jewish law, which he had known, allowed a man to be forgiven three times— This was more than twice the grace that the law allowed. So Peter must have felt the Lord would be pleased with his extension of forgiveness. But he found himself more perplexed when Jesus answered, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Such a period would be infinitely... Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Such a period would be indefinitely. So by that answer, there are no limits or restrictions to the spirit graces. The quality of forgiveness must be as limitless as faith, hope, and love. The teachings of Christ in reference to man's power for, for, to forgive sins are, I believe among the least understood of all commands. As a rule, There is a separation made between sin and its many effects. When a man sins, which which means to miss the mark, we have been taught to think that this was a job for the minister, and so he is called to pray for the sinner. When a man becomes sick and distressed in the mind and the body from the effects of the sins he committed, we call for a doctor. The doctor, in turn, endeavors to treat or repair the body and arrest the suffering. This, at best, we know, is but a temporary measure, for no real healing or permanent cure can be effected until the doctor and the minister work together. Christ was the master physician in that he dealt with sin and sickness jointly. When they brought a man to him who had been sick with palsy, Jesus spoke of forgiving the man's sins in order to heal him. The people who had gathered around him heard him speak, questioned his actions. They said, Who is this that speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They did not understand how he could consider sin... As a cause of palsy. But there are some, no further advanced today, who still want to believe that such a disease is caused by a physical or organic disorder, rather than to accept the possibility of it being a mental or spiritual laxity. Christ plainly taught that if ye forgive sin, the effect of such an act of forgiveness Would become absorbed with natural and healthy ideas much the same as the blackest of night is absorbed by the dawn of light. The blackness disappears and the light of the day shines upon all alike. When healthy and natural ideas fill the mind the body takes on a like condition. Thus our progressive men and women who are turning to a broader field of study and are affecting healings through mental and spiritual process, are not giving us anything new. They're merely catching up with the facts of the master and practicing his methods and teaching more liberally. Christ taught that the originating place of every act was the mind. He said in brief that where there is a lust in the heart, there is a sin, though the act may never be committed. At another place, he speaks of the origin of sin being in the mind first before the act is committed. For from within, he said, out of the heart of man proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, murderers, thieves, deceit, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile the man. Scientists accept the truth that the body of man is moved by the mind, that all its functioning is governed by a ruling thought, whether that thought is subjective or objective, whether it is conscious or unconscious. Those who study the mental processes find that all the conditions of the body are created or caused by the mind. It is known that creation in any and every form is governed by and subject to a law. Hence, when one misuses, inverts, or violates a law, this mistake is called a sin. A sin is a mistake, a misunderstanding, and a misjudgment. A mistake is falling short of or disobeying the law, whether the law be mechanical or spiritual. Correction is the only method of adjustment or of appeasing the law. Thus, repentance and forgiveness are the only means available to alter and correct the mistake. They are the only means of liberating man from suffering the painful consequences of a mistake. They are the only means that will enable him to become in accord or in harmony with the law. Forgiveness of a sin means that we must forgive, forsake, and forget that the thought or person or condition which prompted the sin. It means to abandon or let go of the thing that you ought not do. To abandon or release the wrong thoughts or idea is to be absolved and liberated from its sinful effects. Forgiveness is the first requirement which permits man to be in harmony with the law of his being. Who can tell what the law is, we may ask? Anyone who studies man as both a mental and a physical being can know the law. If he were to try to learn the law by studying the physical actions or the results of sin alone, it would lead nowhere. He would be running around in circles, and that would be useless and futile. If he will go deeper and study the causes and that which prompted the sin, he will get results. He must analyze the case and research for some harbored, hidden, and forgotten shock or condition that would have caused the illness. Then, Unless this harbored thought is uprooted from the unconscious mind or memory, this condition will continue to appear again and again in spite of all the surface remedies that may be applied to arrest the pain. Like weeds in your garden, if you go about and cut them off each time they appear before your eyes, they may be cut off for a time, but because they were not pulled out root and all, they will sprout again. Weeds must be pulled out completely to be destroyed and permanently removed. A noted physician talking before a group of other medical men on this very subject of thought being the source of disease was recorded as having said in his concluding remarks, abnormal tumors and cancers are due to a long period of suppressed grief and anxiety. Another way of saying that such diseases are due to a lot of sinful thoughts getting bottled up and suppressed within our minds. If this state is so destroying, it might be wise for us to probe into our own selves and note the effect of emotions have upon the physical organism. Then let us seek by every means at our command to overcome, abandon, and forsake every emotional tug that has a debilitating and disturbing effect. Another leading psychiatrist said, most of the cases of mental disorder of a functional type are due to a sense of guilt. There are some harbored and congested thoughts that need forgiveness. Usually a sick mind fears to release them and or forgive them this is natural for if they were able to release and forgive the fearful thoughts they would no longer be sick minded professor gates of the psychological laboratory of washington dc in an experiment testing the emotions and the reactions of the body found some interesting results he found some forty bad emotions and many more that were that were good of all the bad emotions, he said the reaction of guilt was the worst. This destruction was gained by a chemical analysis of the perspiration taken from the body. A small quantity of perspiration was taken from each emotional reaction and tested. The bad emotions showed a strong acid test. Now, if you put some acid on your flesh, you know what's going to happen. The acid will burn. And if allowed to continue to burn, it will prove painful and destroy the very tissue of your flesh. It is just such a chemical reaction that is affecting the tissue and organism of the body when these destroying thoughts are allowed to harbor within the uh, and generate poison, which weakens and eventually destroys the body. A wise physician one day had a caller who, as he put it, had gone the round of the doctors and sanatoriums. Uh, but with it all was yet not to be was yet to be healed in fact he was growing worse and in addition to the original malady he had an increasing condition of melancholia which and with suicidal tendencies the physician knowing that he had gone the rounds and had the medical care decided to approach the case from a mental angle he questioned and studied each answered with care answer with care After a time, he gained the confidence of his patient and learned the real secret cause of his long illness. Many years before, this man and his brother were business partners, and the man had appropriated and lost some money that rightfully belonged to his brother. It was used in such a way that his brother could not have found this out even if he investigated. They later uh, severed business connections, and he retired from the work. But, as he put it, he could never forgive himself for taking the money. He wanted to return it, but could not do so without the brother learning the truth. He said it was not the fear of legal punishment that tormented him so much, but the possible loss of his brother's affection. They had always been inseparable and devoted. It was for this reason that he feared to confess his guilt and make amends in whatever way he could. The physician explained that the thing to do was to relieve his hidden pressure. The only way that we can do it was to call on his brother and make a clean breast of the whole affair. The patient, not equal to the suggestion, went home to think it over. Three days later, he called the physician stating that, He had spent three dreadful days of sleepless nights battling with himself and had decided to visit his brother. He was in such a mental state that he knew his brother's treatment. Once he learned he was the thief could be no worse than the misery he was suffering. He told his brother the story, and to his surprise, the brother threw his arms about him and rejoiced with him that it was cleared from his mind. It was a joyful time for them, for that cloud, the only cloud in their lives, had disappeared. The skies were clear again, and the restoration of health of the patient was miraculous to those who did not understand what had been cleared away. Through repentance and forgiveness, the man was able to do as Christ had commanded, As Christ had commanded the woman, he was called upon to judge. Go thy way and sin no more. The rooted sorrow had been plucked from his memory. His mind was free to think on healthy, happy, joyful thoughts. This allowed his body to be quickly healed. To some, it may have seemed like a miracle, but not at all. It was a natural law operating in a natural, unrestricted way. Facing such indisputable facts, we can understand more fully why Christ so often spoke of the forgiving sin. He knew the law of forgiveness. He knew how vitally important a part it played in every person's life. The more we study it, the more amazed we become at its simplicity and accuracy of fulfillment. We are to forsake, for as Solomon tells us, A sin forsaken is a sin forgiven. To forgive, to release some part of our disposition that is not an asset nor a pleasure to others around us. In turn, we are repairing the breach where we have missed the mark, made a mistake, or sinned. Weeds do not remove themselves in time. Instead, they will increase and grow stronger until they choke out the flower. The same thing is true of our sinful thoughts. In the garden of our memory, they must be plucked out, cast out, and destroyed so that only flowers of healthy and happy thoughts may grow. A man may have a habit of excessive drinking, and is not only miserable within himself, but causes much unhappiness in his home. He desires to overcome the sinful habit. He is given every aid from his friends. Loved ones to help him resist the desire and the craving for drink. Time after time he rises above the temptation and then he fails. Repeatedly his family forgives him and encourages him to battle on. Finally he reaches the place when he no longer has the craving. Then he is able to forsake the desire for drink and overcome its sinful effects. Then he has forsaken the not the drink alone, but the desire for the drink. When a man forsakes the idea that prompts the desire and brings about the physical action, then and not until then does the law forgive and lift him from its debilitating effects. A sin forsaken is a sin forgiven when the thought or idea that prompted the sin is corrected. James explains the truth clearly in saying every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Put simply, it means that every man, when he conceives of an idea that is wrong, destructive, or evil, and then dwells upon it, eventually causes it to become fact. When he wishes to overcome a sinful condition, he does not waste time wrestling with the fact, but corrects, forsakes, forgets, forgives the idea that started it. This is the weed in the garden that must be pulled out, top, stock, root, and all to be completely destroyed. At another time, we find that Christ repeated the law and with some explanation. In his prayer, he states, Forgive us our debts, As we forgive our debtors. This is a perfectly reasonable proposition. As we forgive those who transgress against us, so shall we be forgiven our own transgressions. This law has followed us through the time and today we speak of it as though it were something new. We call it modern psychology. The law reads, that certain ideas must be dissolved and cleared from the mind in order that other ideas or new ideas of a different character may replace them. It may be explained as a bottle that is already full, which must be emptied before it can be refilled or added to. Jesus spoke of it when he said, neither do I mean put new wine in old bottles, else the bottles break. For example... If you hold your mind that someone has wronged you or has treated you unjustly, you cannot be free from your wrongdoings or injustice so long as you hold the thought in your consciousness. Often people complain that they do not understand clearly or get the illumination of spirit as others have testified. You need only to search your memory to find the cause. If you do not get the understandings that you expect, First, search your mind for lurking, unforgiving thoughts that have been tucked away from your notice. Is your thought realm filled with resentment that you may hold against some person or condition? Have you a feeling that you have been slighted by this person or that one? The law reads, If ye forgive not their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. We make the conditions for ourselves as we meet the demands of the law now some people ask if we believe in canceling monetary obligations of those who owe us or literally should we cancel the debts of our debtors there were a number of people in the past months who have made front page in the newspaper because they wrote off their books with receipts in full to us who owed them did this eliminate debt Well, the debtors were loud in their praises for such generous souls, but they came right back to do more business with the grocer or the butcher and asked them to charge it. In other words, they were glad to be relieved of the debt charged against them, but they knew no different than the return and they opened a new account. The answer is that so long as we believe in the necessity and the reality of debt, such debt will continue to endure. So long as we believe in debts, we shall get into debt and continue to collect all the burdens and headaches that come with it. He who does not in his own thought release all people who owe him stands liable himself. To fall unto debt, if we send receipts, bills to all who owe us, would that relieve us from the burden of debt? No, the signing of receipts does not erase the idea from debt in our minds. First, we must erase from our own minds the thought that anyone can owe us anything. This then will bring us into a clear atmosphere in which we sow seeds or ideas of abundance for those who are indebted to us. In this way, the debtors will find their minds more fertile soil to bring forth thoughts of abundance. When they catch the spirit of the free-flowing thought of plenty, they will be happy to pay their debts, and all that is justly ours will come to us cheerfully. In other words, when we free our minds from all the thoughts of debt and try to realize more and more the presence of plenty, we shall soon be strong enough to reach out and realize abundance from our debtors. As they are lifted up from the thoughts of the limitation of lack, they will attract more and more substance which with they can pay their bills. In this way, and only in this way, can debts be permanently canceled. Though applying, I'm sorry, through applying the law of forgiveness, both parties concerned will be lifted from the debt consciousness to a prosperous consciousness, and prosperity and plenty shall abound. Everyone must at some time walk the path of forgiveness. We must learn to live this law. It must be important, for as the Master taught, that there was no hope of forgiveness for the unforgiving. Only as we forgive are we forgiven. We must put forth the first effort. Our willingness must be open, the way for our forgiveness. We dare not ask more of the law, than we are able to extend to ourselves or to our brothers. Unless we prove this law by living it, we cannot hope to gain the bigness of character that life requires. Now, as we ponder over this whole thought, we may wonder if the master was looking forward to the essential part forgiveness must play in order of the world events for today. The truth runs deep into everyday life when we recall the rivalries that prevail in almost every shop and office, when we see the jealousies that divide the neighborhood, when we observe and feel the envies both scholastic and professional, when we have strife and discord in our own homes, we see the solemn through simple teachings of forgiveness strike deeply into your life and mind. If we cannot forgive, we may know we have a small soul untouched by the teachings of the Master. These are our daily tests, for it is the school of forgiveness that the lessons of life are learned. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.